Thanks for tuning in to the Parent Stuff Podcast. My name is Evan Semenko, and I am the host here of the Parent Stuff Podcast. We're so glad you downloaded this episode, and we would encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Each week, we have a conversation with a parent to try to help you as a family win. And today, we've got Amber McDonald. Amber is our life group coordinator here at the Simple Church. She runs life groups for us, and she is also a mom of two girls and is a single mom who'd gone through a divorce and shares some of that experience today talks about how she was able to get through it and advice for parents that maybe have gone through the same thing. So thanks for listening. Enjoy this conversation with Amber. Leave a five-star review so that way it helps other people to find this podcast and hit that subscribe button again so that you don't miss any of these conversations. And now, Amber McDonald. Thanks for tuning in to Parent Stuff. We are here with Amber McDonald. Amber, thanks for being on the Parent hey, Stuff podcast. thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Tell us about you. You're on staff here at Simple Church. What do you do? Your family, your kids. Give us the rundown of Amber. I've been on staff since uh, December was a year, so a little over a year. Happy anniversary. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Love it. I'm the life group director. Love that. So my job during the pandemic was getting people together in groups. That was super fun. <laughs> it's a challenge. It was a challenge, but we made it happen. I have two girls. Georgia is 13. She's just about to turn 14. She's in eighth grade. And Millie is 10. She's 10 and a half. So she's in the fourth grade. And they are just wonderful little people. Oh, they are great. They, they really are. They're good kids. They are good kids. Absolutely. And so you moved here, and then the pandemic happened. It's a weird time for everybody. You're parenting through a pandemic. And single parenting, that's a challenge yeah. and difficult it's like on top a of everything. <laughs> I got the trifecta. That's a lot. It was a lot. Moved in December, started a new job, and then yeah, in March we were shut down. So honestly though, I didn't hate it. I have to admit I didn't hate it. That's right. And obviously a lot of people were affected and lost jobs and stuff, but we Yeah, there was a lot of hard I mean, there was a yeah. lot of hard with it too, but also it was it was a little bit of a gift to me. Your just family's been healthy and you get that time yeah, together. I had time with my kids and they got situated really well. So we found the blessings in it for sure. Absolutely. You guys blessed us. I don't know if people know this. They probably don't. But you gave us a trampoline in the <laughs> pandemic. I forgot about <laughs> you that. You handed a, a trampoline down yes. to my little kids and they have loved that thing. You know, Santa Claus brought that trampoline. And then my girls just, they loved it, but they didn't really use it. So I was like, we're going to give this to somebody that will really use it. And they used the heck out. We jumped so on it yesterday. Santa Claus was very happy, too. Absolutely. That it was getting used. Win-win. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly. awesome. So talk about, we're here today, parenting podcast. Yes. We talk about parenting, and you are a single parent. That is a challenging thing for anybody. But if you just want to share a little bit about your story and doing that, and then as we go through of putting in that lens, I think there's probably a lot of parents listening. Statistically, they say it's over half of parents now are single parents, and it's yeah. complicated. I'm definitely not an expert at it, but um, I've had to I've had to figure it out. So yeah, it's hard. You got to be the good cop. You got to be the bad cop. You got to be the mama, and then also I got to be the daddy because their father lives in Dallas. So I mean, honestly, I'm doing the cooking and the cleaning, and then we're throwing footballs and softballs and homework and taking the trash out there's um there's really nobody to like tap out and go hey your turn so it's hard that it is. really is hard I don't like to admit that it's hard but mm -hmm. it is um it's a lot yeah do you know your Enneagram number you I'm a two number? that's I'm a why it's hard two. I'm a two as well yeah. and if you're listening the Enneagram is like a personality test it's a great resource just you can google and look up stuff but 
it is hard for us twos to ah, try to yeah, admit and like talk about it. I, is that what that is? Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Twos well, are there. You go. They are very well known, and I am very guilty of this. Of you want to project and turn it to other people instead of talk about your own stuff. And now I'm forcing oh, you to yeah. talk about your I, own and stuff. And I'm so good at that. I can get anybody to talk, and then you ask me, all right, "How are you?" I'm like, "I'm great. I'm fine. Totally great." That is very enneagram too. Yeah. Okay. Well. Put a, put a two on my shirt. <laughs> That's label right. Me. And so you moved back here when you took the job. You were originally from here, but you had moved yep. to Dallas. You were a teacher. I taught school, taught first grade, and um, that was wild, too, because I had stayed home for 10 years. So I was a stay-at-home mom, living totally living my dream life. That's all I ever wanted to do was be a wife and a mom. So I got to do that for 10 years, and then, um, as we say, life got lemony, and uh, <laughs> I went back to work and taught first grade, and that was a rodeo sure. going back to work after staying home for 10 years but it was great I mean God was good in all of it and I met super wonderful friends um, but it was a challenge so when I was given the chance to move back home after my divorce was final um, I looked into teaching but teaching as a single mama is just mm. killer it's really hard so um, God opened a door here and I, I was thrilled to be able to come to the Simple Church and hang out with you guys. And ministry wasn't in your plan, huh? Ministry was never in my plan. Um, I had all I had I had done a lot with the church, like served a lot and helped a lot and taught Sunday school classes back in the day when we had that and taught life groups and um, hosted groups, but um, never thought I'd be on staff at a church ever. So never say never, you guys. That's right. You it's could funny. Do anything. <laughs> we have two weeks of that now because Ray Rainey was on last week's parent podcast and he said the same thing. He was running a body shop yeah. and he's not on his radar. And totally, totally not on my radar. But now that I've been here a year and a half, I can see how like things in my life that I've had to deal with and go through. Like you know, now God is allowing me to use that as a part of my testimony and help people out. Maybe hopefully here and Absolutely. there. Absolutely, that's what we're doing today. Yeah, you're helping some people out because I, so. I think it would have been very easy at that point. I think we know people, and you probably have friends of when that divorce happened. Right, you either run to God or you run from God. Yes, it's a crisis. It's a hard thing in life. Yes. And so, what is something you did during that time that helped you to not run from God to be I angry? Ran, I ran straight to my bed. Yeah. That's what I did. <laughs> to be completely honest, that's how I dealt with it. I would work. Um, I could. I could function enough to get my job done. The paid. The job that I was paid for. Faking it. Um. Yeah, I faked it from eight to three or whatever my hours, you know, were, and then I would come home and get in the bed. But I would turn on Pandora, like a praise and worship channel, mm -hmm. and I would lay in the bed. And I would parent from the bed, my poor kids, you know, like, Georgia, feed your sister <laughs> dinner. Um, but that's how I dealt with it because, honestly, I was depressed. You can say it. It's yeah. hard. I know. This it's is hard talking about ourselves. It, it is. But, um, yeah, I was I was depressed and I was down. I had a ton of family support, but they weren't there. Mm -hmm. I was in Dallas by myself. So they supported me from a distance as best they could. My mom would come over a lot. But um, I would. I would go to the – I would – I work. This is kind of crazy to admit. I did wash my sheets, I promise. But I did <laughs> wear a hole in the sheets of my bed because I stayed in my bed. Like, anytime I didn't have to be on, like, be somewhere, um, I was just in the bed and uh, listening to my praise and worship music, and that's how I dealt with it. Yeah. So how would you get out of that? What did you do to get through that chapter? Well, to be honest. That's a safe place. Lexapro. It's yeah. my friend. <laughs> and that's so if you need, there's nothing wrong with it. And I totally 
put it off. My mom was like, just, you just need to try it. I just try it. If you'll just try it for 10 days, I promise you'll either love it and you'll see a difference or I won't ever ask you to try it again. She was, you know, my kind of my champion in that. Yeah. And so, um, to be 100% honest, that changed my entire world. No, that's great. I was able to get up and function in like that dark cloud that was hanging over me that I was living in. Cause I was still actually, while I was in Dallas and teaching all day and then going to the bed in the afternoon, I was going through the divorce and the divorce process was long and it was very, very difficult and hard because I was trying to do something that you don't usually get to do, which is leave the state with children. Mm. So, um, I was having, I was fighting a really tough uphill battle. And so it was just lengthy. It was hard. It was lawyer. I mean, nobody wants to talk to lawyers and depositions and no offense lawyers, but yeah, no offense (laughs) lawyers, but like I told my lawyer, I'm like, I love you. Thank you so much. I hope I never see you again ever, uh, when it was over, but, um, it was just difficult. It was hard. And so, um, as I was my mom could just see that I was just getting deeper and deeper into just like I couldn't, couldn't do what I needed to do when it wasn't just in, involving my um, paid-for job, my teaching yeah. job. So she asked me to try it. She's like, give it 10 days. If you don't like it, I'll never ask you to do it again. And I did it for 10 days. And that cloud that I was living in that was like surrounding my head and my body just lifted. So it was still there. The yucky stuff and situation was still there, but I was able to function. Yeah cloud literally lifted above me and I was able to get up and do what I needed to do and um, find some hope again and be excited about okay this is not the end of the world my dad's best advice to me was um, he was like Amber they can't eat you (laughs) so whatever (laughs) whatever I was worried about that day whether I had to talk to a lawyer or go to a deposition or do you know whatever it was puts it in perspective yeah they can't eat you (laughs) I was like Okay, and I literally, (laughs) totally, it's dad wisdom, that's what, and that's such a silly thought, but that helped me so many times, I'm like, okay, they can't eat me, so I'm going to make it through this, and I'll go home, and you know, life, I'm still going to keep living, it'll be fine, so um, yeah, admitting that I was depressed, taking Lexapro helped a ton, praise and worship music is my, it's how I cope with everything, if I'm happy, if I'm sad, if I'm, I'm praying about something, if I need something, um, so find you a good praise and worship channel on Pandora is, is my advice. No, that's great. And thank you for being honest about that. And again, it's hard to say the word and there's a stigma still kind of in culture. And at Simple Church, we definitely believe that there's nothing wrong with taking medicine, going and seeing a counselor. Yeah. I see a counselor. We have Christian counseling available for free for anybody in Simple Church. And those counselors yeah. can help to know, okay, this is something that is might need medication. And you try right. it. It's and not you're bad. It's not you're incomplete. It's not that you're not spiritual enough. But it is something that is a chemical imbalance. Yeah. And why, if you have high blood pressure, you take medicine. Right. If you have whatever, you take a medicine for it. And, and I don't know why I wanted to hang, or why a lot of us want to just hang on and be like, you know, I'm not broken. I don't need that. I'm yeah. not, I, I, I can do this. I can do it. Um, there's no reason to put yourself through that when mm. there's a little pill that you can take that will just, it literally lifts the cloud off of your life and allows you to function. It doesn't make you happy and like, silly and right goofy all day it just allows you to think it allows you to be hopeful and see that there is um an end in sight to whatever hard stuff you're going through 
Right. And it's a balance, right? And as working with teenagers and being a student pastor, sometimes the parent was really quick to just suggest medicine and not work on something. And it's that constant tension and figuring that out. But that's why we believe in Christian counseling. You find a professional that you can talk to to help you to walk through that. For sure. And it's a big way to help do that. But thank you for opening up about that. Yeah, you're welcome. So I'll go back to your parents, though, because that's an interesting thing of your adult parents are still part of your life. And I think maybe some grandparents listen to this or parents listening. How did you maintain that relationship? Was that easy? Was that natural that you always had this close relationship with your adult parents, even as you got older? Or is that something that came out of that season of your life? No, we've all been, we've been very close forever. Um, we're just all involved in, <laughs> we're all up in each other's business, I guess you could say. But yeah. no, we've been super close. Now, I will tell you when, when my marriage got, um, I started to know that it was not going to make it. I was very, very quiet about it. And I did not tell them. And my mom assumed that it was going downhill. And she would try to ask, you know, little, um, not prying questions, but just like, you know, how are you? What's going on? Y'all okay? And of course, as a two, we're fine. Everything's fine. That's right. Another two thing real quick you hit on is pride is our cardinal sin. It's the hardest thing for twos. And that's why it might be hard for us to admit because I'm right there with you. I get it. Yeah. So I did not want to tell them that my marriage was failing at all for, for many reasons. And one of them was in the weirdest it's so weird to me to even think this was like I was trying to protect him he was doing things that were not good not healthy Mm -hmm. for our marriage whatever but I didn't want them to be mad at him I don't know if that's a two thing or not or that's just me like wanting to protect the people that I love but um so yeah I kept it a secret for a long time so Mm -hmm. we were still super close they would come visit and I would just put on a face of like we're great everything's good I'm fine um so they but they kept trying they just kept pursuing that, like, okay, something's not quite right. And then, so one day when I finally knew, like, it's time to fess up. How long was that time? Like, how long was it oh, from gosh. when things were bad to when you really years. admitted it? Yeah. 2012 to 2018 was... Um, six years. Yeah. Six years of not telling anybody. Um, and they, they like I said, kind of had an inkling of, like, I think there's some stuff going on that's not healthy and not, um, you know, that she's not being loved the way she should or, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, that's uh, true, though. They, But they loved him through it all. They were very good to him, despite what they thought might be going on. But when I finally did tell them, um, I can still remember where I was sitting. So my mom just said, you know, like, how are things going? You know, I'll just say his name. He's not going to listen. She was like, how's (laughs) how's Jeff? Um, is, Is he being nice? That's exactly what she said. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, this is the point of no return. I'm about to tell her. But it took six years six to years. get to that point. Yeah. So I said, well, no. And she slapped her hands on her knees and she pulled her chair up to mine. She was like, I knew it. We're going to get you, you know, we're going to get you the help you need. And so they were my A team for sure. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have done it without, um, without my family for sure. No, I take that back. God led the way. My family gave me the courage to do, do take all the steps that I needed to take. So if you feel like you're alone, you can do it alone. But it's both and, right? In, in a perfect world, God designed family so you have that support that God yes. gives you that gift of the family and is working through them. And that's, again, a credit to your parents that they were consistent and showing up and yeah. asking and trying to check. But it takes that time sometimes. It takes time. But, you know, they've got wisdom that you don't have, even if you think they don't. So if you need to tell somebody, you just tell them and let them let them help you in the ways that they um, can help because because they're going to come up with some things that you haven't thought of, 
and um, and God really does have a plan. He sees everything that's coming down down the path. He know He knew I was going to be here. I mean, the the way that I got this job, stuff had to happen here on staff for me to be able, for this job to be open for me. Like God literally orchestrates every day and every moment and every part of our lives. So, um, the more that you're able to just be open and willing to talk to people and ask for help the quicker you're going to get to where you need to be. Yeah. One thing Justin says a lot we like is secrets make you sick. Yeah. It's so true. It's so. And I was. I was sick. Yeah. I mean, I was sick with depression, but but I was keeping a big, big, big secret. And it um, it wore me down and wore a hole in the sheets in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's real. I, I threw those that. away. You'll be Good. glad to know. Start fresh. I started More fresh. More away than one. That's right. And so I just think that's so great. And if it's someone's listening and maybe the relationship with their parents isn't there like you have or they don't know if their parents are wise and have good advice and maybe they aren't making those good choices. That is why it's so important to have a church family, to have a life group, to have people that you do have godly people in your life that can help because your parents might not be you. And and I will say I did. There was a I have one. I have a lot of solid Christian friends, but one in particular in Dallas that I did divulge information to before I told anybody in my family. So, and she was a great source of um, just encouragement and prayer help. And, um, you know, she was support, whatever I chose to do, she was going to support me. But having somebody in your corner means the world when you feel like your world is falling apart. Mm, that's good. And I think the problem is, and what I see a lot, is people come in the crisis when it's already happened mm-hmm. and they want that person. But you can't just do that overnight. There's yes. steps and help. but. The reason we do life groups, the reason we want you to be a part of a church that you're not alone is that you put the time in on the front end. And then if something ever does happen in a crisis, you have that already built in network of people. So that friend of yours, that wasn't a friend that you went and were going through a divorce and then went to that friend. <laughs> I, right. You I did just had pluck fr- her out. Exactly. Because that's really hard. But that's sometimes what I think people think is, well, I'll do church later. It's not a priority or I'll get in a yes. life group and I'll know some people and. Then when the crisis hits, you realize, oh, I don't have that person in my life that I can turn to. And it does take time. It does take effort. It takes an energy to go and to do a life group and to connect with people and all the things that go with that. But ultimately, that's what we all really want because when life gets hard and inevitably, for most people it will, Mm -hmm. you have that network of people. You really do need to start building your life graph before life gets You're sinking <laughs> before you start to sink yeah because and you don't know what every day is right. going to hold I mean like tomorrow something yuck might happen and you're like I wish I could call somebody up so um I mean but other than just having them to help you when you're down there's wonderful aspects of how being in a life group and having friends to build you up when you're up to share your highs with too so for sure 100 percent. I mean that is my job as the life group director is to get people involved in um, add a spiritual component to the people that they're already doing life with. So if that's something that you want to do, if you're out there listening and you think, well, gosh, I probably should add that spiritual component to the to my friends that I'm already like doing everyday life with the people that I talk to Facebook with Marco Polo with Snapchat with all those things. Ray mentioned Marco Polo last week too. We're going to get Marco Polo to sponsor our podcast. Uh, there you go. <laughs> do you love Mar- Marco Polo? I used to love Marco okay. Polo. I don't really do it anymore. But um, like when my, my girlfriends in Dallas were, we, all of us, we used to hang out, and then we had kids, and then we couldn't hang out. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what Mallory so does. She has a Marco we Polo Marco group of moms. each other at night, and it would just be hilarious. You know, we could spend 30 minutes, and it was almost like as good as meeting in person. Oh, yeah. Um, Sponsor this podcast, Marco Polo. We're Marco fans. Polo, give us a call. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway. Yeah. That's great. And then going back to your parents 
parenting you as an adult uh-huh. <laughs> that Bill Allred was on a couple of while ago. I guess it's been probably two months ago now, but he said that this is a really great point. Parenting adult children is the longest phase. We talk about the phases and Boy, you have the preschool true. phase, the elementary school phase, but after they're adults, they're left the nest. That's another, I mean, 40, 50 years sometimes. No kidding. Going and doing that. And that so true. You had great parents that would do that. I have great parents I'm so thankful for that can look back on and maybe somebody listening to this can't relate to that part mm-hmm. of it. But if you're a parent now, you are setting that foundation and choosing what that's going to look like now, whatever phase you're in and beyond that. Yes. And it's a heavy thing. It's <laughs> it is it's a heavy thing. thing. And like, you know, there's a f- phrase that says you're only as happy as your saddest, saddest kid. kid. Mm. So um, my, what I went through put a lot of strain and stress on my family just because they loved me and they were sad that I was sad. Um, but we got, because we talked about it and because we came up with a plan together, we all made it out together. So what did that look like? Help somebody? What did that plan? What were those conversations? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I, I just didn't have it in me to go find a divorce lawyer by myself. Mm-hmm. So my dad did that. Um, he came over to Dallas one day and we went and met with him. And um, that was just a step. I mean, there's a lot of people that have to do it by themselves. And we're praying for you because that is hard. I've been there. I know. But thankfully, um, I had my dad go with me and kind of vet him out and figure that out. So, um, I mean, that was really step one. And then from there, we just had to do what he asked of us. Um, but they, you know, my brother is a strong, like, stoic guy. I know he loves me, but we don't talk all the time. But he would send me texts, you know, just checking on you today. Let me know what I can do if, I, if there's anything I can do for you. And just the power of that small, tiny text from my brother mm-hmm. would give me, like, the surge to make it through that day or, you know, the next couple of days. And yeah. my sister was wonderful and checked in. My grandmother, I mean, I'm very fortunate to have um, family that all backed me. But, um... Just being as honest as I could with as many people as I could after uh, so many years of keeping a secret was incredibly freeing. Mm. And with that freedom of taking that, I, I probably my pride, I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to be divorced. Yeah. I didn't want my kids to be a product of divorce. I could probably handle the divorce part if I, you know, was thinking about it back then. I just really didn't want my kids, though, to be a product of it. And so that was trouble, troublesome for me. But um, once I... Um, wrapped my brain around like okay like my dad said it's not going to eat you it's not going to kill you you're going to make it from this then I was able to like think about okay putting the next foot foot in front of the other what's the next step I need to make I need to have a place to live I need to look for a new job I need um, you know I was very thankful that um, my divorce ended in me having the right to move out of state and come home um, because that would have really That would have been a whole different story if I had had to stay there, which I would have made it. It would have been fine, but I'm super thankful that I was able to come home. Um, But, yeah, so just getting your people rallied around you and and working on a plan together and being able to talk about it and admit it all and then realize, okay, that didn't hurt as bad as I thought it was going to hurt to be able to, like, verbalize what I was really up against and going through. You're tougher than you thought. Yeah. So how did that go when you told your kids? What did that look like? Did they kind of know it was coming? Were they aware? Was it something that? Honestly, I think by that point they were relieved Hmm. because it had been tense in the house for a while. And, you know, and um, even as a 45-year-old, my parents don't argue anymore. But I can remember as an adult kid, my parents squabbling about whatever it is, you know, because you do. 
and um, it made me uncomfortable as a grown-up. So I know as kids, they hate it when they see mom and dad argue. Hate it. And, and I would all the way, you know, they're like, Mama, we don't like it when y'all fuss. And I'm like, baby, you and your sister fuss and yell, or I hate, yell, I hate you all the time. It's just like that. You know, like that's what we're doing. It's just not that we said I hate you, but no, you know, know what I mean. <laughs> um, I was like, you know, people that live together, they just fuss. So I'm tr- trying to explain away the fussing and the uncomfortableness and, um, you know, why does daddy want to sleep in my bed? And just like, that's just kind of how it progressed. Yeah. We separated within our own house for a little bit. And so they kind of saw it coming. And um, I think they knew how unhappy I was. And like, mom's not the same. She's not able to. They picked she, up on that. Even she didn't want to come out and school. do yeah. sidewalk chalk with us. You know, she didn't want to go for a walk. She didn't want to go. Um, we used to get yogurt after school every Friday. Mom, she didn't really want to do that. So they knew without even saying like, hey, what's wrong with you, mom? They knew. Mm. They were able to busy themselves enough during, in the house, you know, whenever I was in the bed um, just waiting for dark. But um, I forgot where I was going with that. That's all right. No, we are talking <laughs> about how you had that conversation and then moving. So was that hard for yeah, them yeah. to move? So, no. Um, Telling them that it was actually going to happen, they um, I th- they were sad, but honestly, they were relieved. And then for my girls in our particular situation, we had come home so much, home being Louisiana, to see my family. I mean, when they were babies, we came every three weeks, and we'd spend, you know, three or four days. So this felt like home to them. This was a very safe place for them. Mm-hmm. Um, all of their cousins are here. You know, they love their grandparents. They love my uh, my grandparents, and so um, it was a very safe place for them. Now, they did have to move schools, and that was, that could be very traumatic for, yeah. a, at the time, Georgia was um, 11, um, no, she was 12, and um, they were very sad about leaving their friends, happy about moving home with family, but, oh gosh, that means I have to leave all my friends behind, so to me, moving home was Oh, I'm moving home. Yeah. This is home, comfortable. I'm good. To them, it's like I'm leaving home. Because how long did you live in Texas? Uh, 14 years. Yeah. Almost so 15 Georgia's years. Georgia's whole life. Yeah. Georgia's mm-hmm. entire mm-hmm. life. Yeah. She was born there. So to them, they were having to leave their home. Granted, they were coming to a place that they were comfortable with, but they were going to have to start new schools and all of that. And I just cannot even tell you how good God was in all of that. Hmm. They both got into the best classes, made friends immediately, and they honestly handled it like troopers. Like more, they handled it better than I prayed for them to handle it. So I can't take any credit for that. Like I should have prayed harder for them to, but we were all, it was all just a lot, of change. A, lot yeah. a lot of change. And so I did really just have to trust like, okay, God planned for us to be able to move home. I know they're going to be okay. Here's your first day of school. Go. And I'm like, you know, please let it be a good day. And they did amazing. They have the best, best friends. Um, if you asked them today if they'd move, they, you couldn't pay them to move back. It's awesome. So it's been wonderful. That's great. And so you are a professional Christian. You're a life group coordinator. You work <laughs> at a church. But you also chose to have middle schoolers in your house for a life group. Yes. We are very thankful for that because it's a difficult thing. It's hard to open up your house with adults and strangers. It's a whole other level for, level for middle school kids. Oh, my goodness. It's a swarm sometimes. It's and I did middle swarm. school ministry for a long time. And sometimes it was, it was very hard to just go up to a parent and say, hey, how does it sound to have 
eight to ten middle school kids in your house. Yeah. You really want to do that for free? For it sounds great. And then weeks? after the yeah. first time, they're like, oh, my gosh, what did I set up Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was very fortunate. We didn't have many things broken over the years, but there were a couple times where a kid would break <laughs> something and we'd replace it. And It's not an easy sell, Amber. So it's, you I were can understand that willing to open sell. your home up as a single parent and get ready for a group of middle school girls to be in your house. Talk yes. about that a little bit and why you chose to do I that. I was super happy to do it, honestly, because I wanted Georgia to have some ownership and feel like this is my group. And um, I was going to involve her wherever the life group was. Matter of fact, our first, the um, when we first got here in December, she went to the Hagler's house for that um, yeah. spring semester. And so I made her go. And after the first couple of times, she loved it. And then she ended up wanting to go back. Um, but I did have to prod just a little bit to get her to go. Sure. But then when the next, the fall semester was going to start, I said, I'm going to just host it myself because this is going to make it easier for her to want to invite friends and feel like she's got some ownership in what this is. So um, it was pretty easy. It was a pretty easy um, decision for me to want to do that. And of course, they're wild, they're loud, <laughs> they're crazy, they're hilarious, but they are so wonderful. And when you get them together in a group where they have, something given to them a common topic to talk about that's not about schoolwork it's just amazing the things that you can hear them say and to listen to their hearts and stuff is uh super fun i don't know if everybody's at that place so i'm very thankful you were <laughs> and i think that's great and i do really believe that and i think about nora when she gets older that we want her friends to be in my house and we yes, want to get to know for them sure 100%. and have that time and get that connection and i know it's work and i know it's effort and me and mallory have hosted a life group now for 13 years in one way or the other of adults and done middle school and high school life groups and there's all these different factors that go into it but ultimately the work and the energy and the difficulty is worth the result and I don't think many people that do it go back and say, you know what? I really think I shouldn't have done that. It was a regret. I'm a mistake having a life yeah, group. Yeah, <laughs> like you could never. I mean, it's funny because every Wednesday rolls around a whole lot faster than you than it used to uh -huh. when you're starting to host something at your house every Wednesday. You're like, oh, it's time again. Uh -huh. I got to go. I need to straighten up. I need to get food or snacks or whatever. Um, and so the before 6 o'clock on Wednesday, you might be thinking like, oh, my gosh, I got a lot to do. This is I can't believe I committed to this, you know. <laughs> and then at 7.30 when they leave, you're like, God, that was so good. I love those kids. I can't wait for them to come back, you know. So it's totally worth the effort. And it's a minimal amount of effort, honestly. You just got to open your door, put some food out, and just, you know, put press a smile on your on face. DVD. And press play on a DVD. So the effort is minimal. I mean, you do, granted, have to be home, but um, – the reward that you get and the return that you get on that is completely worth the investment. Absolutely. So if you're interested in doing that, if you have teenagers in that phase, they do have life groups. They meet on Wednesday nights, middle school and high school age. We'll put the link in the show notes so you can yep. find the website. They'll be going through May, I think, is the first week of the semester. And when hey, it wraps make up. them go. They're oh going to say, I don't want to go. Make them go. And I you might have to make them go oh yeah. twice. Oh, I've told the story a couple times, Amber. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but Listen. I grew up in church. We were there. My parents actually got saved when I was probably first or second grade. I was the oldest. And so all of a sudden we were there. Every time the doors were open, they were all in and they were all about it. We did Awanas. We did all these different programs and stuff to be there for kids. We moved here when I was in fifth grade, so I was 11. So I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, okay. And it was a big change of moving and trying to start over and doing that. So we started coming to church. I liked fifth grade. It was kids ministry. Okay. But promotion Sunday to middle school 
this wild, crazy middle school pastor with a goatee named Justin Hagler was at the <laughs> church I grew up at, and they had a huge inflatable day for promotion. They had free pizza, and I stood out in the parking lot and cried until my parents <gasps> did not want to go in because my friend wasn't there. You cried? I cried. I threw a fit, and we left. I didn't go in. Evan. And I did not like going to church for two years. Oh, my goodness. Sixth grade into seventh grade really was, I was miserable. I didn't want to go. We had to wear pants and a collared shirt <laughs> to dress up for the Lord and go through and do that. I hated that part of it, and I didn't really have a group of friends at church, and my friends that were in the neighborhood that I went to school with didn't go to my church. And it was a bad experience, yeah. and I just think about how many times I was a turd to my parents oh and my as goodness. a middle schooler that they made me go, yeah. and eventually I went to camp when I was in seventh grade. I talked those two of my best friends to going with me to camp, and yeah. that's where I recommitted my life and really got serious about God and trying to figure that out, and eighth grade year and beyond was great, but it was two years two of my years. parents forcing me to go. <laughs> I know it would have been easy for them to give up, and I know it would have been easy yeah. to say, just don't go. That's fine. Sit with us. Right. Play, right. Yeah. Sit with us. I don't want to hear you complain. And I just, I thank them, and I've talked about this multiple times since, but my life would have been totally different if they did not stick to wow. that. Wow. And it's it's a pain, and I imagine I'm going to get what goes around comes around yeah. <laughs> and have that phase at Maybe some not. point. Uh, hopefully not. not, but I do know that the result and the payoff was worth it. And yeah. I think a lot of things in life, we always like the end result, right? We like after we've worked out and lost oh, weight sure, and done sure. the gym, but it's the starting, yeah. and it's getting over those initial barriers that's so tough. Yeah. And so if you have a so middle school, high school kid, just encourage you. Just it can work out. Get them there. Get them there. and. And that's your job. Make it a priority. Yeah. Right. Make it a priority. Absolutely. So even if you're not ready to host a group, get them involved in a group. Right. Get them to go check one out. Have them bring a friend with them is always what we tell parents. Uh, yeah, If they're for nervous sure. or don't know, get them to bring it's one buddy one with hour. them. It's one hour. Right. And I would and love parents that would go and they'd either like sit in the car and read. <laughs> I they'd know. they'd drive or they'd go do groceries or run errands and come back. It's an hour you get without kids. Yes. And they're learning a spiritual principle. There's a lesson, a Bible study there There's to go through. There's a spiritual component. They're, I mean, like, do it. Just do it. Absolutely. We're a fan. We do that, so. <laughs> We're big fans. Absolutely. For all ages. And right. so, Amber, we're wrapping up. We're winding down. But I do want to ask, we ask everybody, what is the best piece of parenting advice that you have ever received? Oh, well, you know, everybody hates that phrase, the days are long, the years are short. Oh, no, the years are sh- the years are long, the days are short. Well, how's that go? The days are long and the weeks are short. Something That's like that. That's my life, absolutely. Or, you know, um, my dad says this to me a lot. He's like, you're going to miss this, that country song. You're going to miss I this. I miss these days. Right. So um, that's no fun to hear when you're in the middle of it. But it's true. You're going to miss it. So I would say go read the extra story. Go to Andy's, get the ice cream. Go throw the football. Do whatever they're asking you to do. Go sit on their bed. One of my favorite things to do now that Georgia's, she's a teenager, and she likes to hide out all the time. But <laughs> I just force my way in there, and I'm like, I just sit on her bed until, and we talk about whatever. And sometimes she didn't want to talk at all, and so I'll be like, okay, I love you. Have You know, do whatever you want to do. But you show up. You're but consistent. I But I go. I yeah. go sit on the bed with her for a minute. I might give her a back rub or whatever. Just, you know, ask her what was, did some, anything funny happen today? Just whatever. Um, and surprisingly, a lot of times she'll open up about a lot and now she has started coming to sit with me. Hmm. So, um, you modeled that, you showed that behavior yeah. and you want to talk and make the effort. And I know it's hard for parents and exactly. you might be discouraged, but that's great. No, so, that's and I'll example. read one thing that I found that and I shared it on Facebook and, um, it, it, it wasn't for parenting, but it could be applied to parenting for sure. So it was actually about how you keep yourself in, um, peace but it says, I trust God more and depend on myself less. I stay in my lane and do what's mine to do. 
which raising your babies is what's yours to do. I live in my present day, not in the past or in the future, and I cast my cares upon God, choose joy, and let God do what I cannot. So I thought that was really good, just overall advice for all of us. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's great. You talk about missing a phase, real time. This is transparency. Eliza, our two-and-a-half-year-old, is potty training. She's doing very well. Very good. But she sleeps in a diaper, and she took her diaper off and peed on her bed this morning. Oh. And so I had to change sheets. So <laughs> people say I'm going to miss the phase, Amber. I don't know. Yeah, you might, you're not going to miss that. I might not. There's a lot of things where parents are like, uh-uh, I'm not going to miss that, not even a little bit. Remember the good things. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. right. Awesome. Thanks for being here, yeah, Amber. Thanks, thanks for, for having me. That. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. All right. See you later. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Amber. Appreciate her coming on and being vulnerable and talking with us because parenting is difficult. You are listening to this. You probably know that and you're trying to figure it out. And that's why we're so thankful you gave us the time today. If you make sure to subscribe, hit that button so you get each episode automatically each week when they come out and enjoy these conversations with parents. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email me, evan at thesimplechurch.tv. If you have a topic, conversation idea, something that you'd love to talk about, we would be happy to do that and then hit that five-star review. That just helps people to find it, makes it easier to search for, and we would appreciate it. Thanks again, and have a great week.